Last season, Liverpool came within a whisker of overhauling a 14-point deficit in the title race, only for Manchester City to get off the canvas and break their hearts right at the end. Now the Reds are 13 points behind the Premier League champions, and it's only mid-October the two teams meet at Anfield on Sunday. I'm Kevin Hatchard, and this is Football Only Better. An elite clash requires elite analysis. Mark O'Hare has been in the Bet Cave, hidden away from his loved ones to get ready for the weekend. Mark, it seems absurd to say Liverpool are out of the title race in October, but it certainly feels that way. If they lose on Sunday, it is over, isn't it? Um, I'm hesitating because we've seen enough in football to know that it's never, never out of the question. And sixteen, though. It is. It, it, it's lose. a huge total, but I keep saying it. It's an extraordinary season. Um, we've never experienced anything like this before in our lifetimes. And I remember going back to the very beginning of the campaign. I was questioning Man City's depth uh, compared to Liverpool's after, you know, letting certain players leave uh, to Arsenal and elsewhere. And you know, City have been relatively fortunate in terms of keeping a majority of their squad fit. I know they've had a few defenders missing here and then, but compared to Liverpool. They've had it quite easy. Um, who's to say at some point in the season the tables turn and City have to go through an injury crisis? You know, it's five games. You mentioned it there in your intro. Liverpool turned around a, a bigger points deficit than they have previously. Obviously, if they do lose this game, yeah, <laughs> very, very, very unlikely that they're going to be in the title race. But if they do win this weekend, suddenly the momentum switches and it's such a significant result. It could easily spark something different, but all the evidence available to us suggests that it's not going to happen. Um, but I'm just not willing to take that step and say it's, it, it's going to be over because it's, as you say, it's October. We've got a World Cup to come. There's so much football still to be played. We've only played nine games. Um, so I'm not willing to sort of close the door on them just yet, even if I do think they lose this weekend. Uh, and I think they probably are out of the title race. So, um, But yeah, I mean... What's happening with Liverpool right now is it's kind of hard to explain, but it kind of isn't at the same point. I think they've been the, the sort of uh, setting themselves up for a fall in certain ways, conceding the opening goal consistently, conceding too many goals consistently, three goals in consecutive Premier League games. Um, they've shipped the multiple goals in half of their opening eight games in the Premier League as well. And just very surprised, kind of staggered that Klopp went with the same system, the same eleven against Arsenal as he did against Rangers just days earlier, going all out attack and playing that midfield, which got totally exposed, just lack mobility uh, when Arsenal beat the press, uh, gave the defence little, if any, protection at all. And defensively, they have been, yeah, I'm going to say it, a shambles for the majority of the campaign. It's not just Trent Alexander-Arnold who's being kind of scapegoated. Uh, Virgil van Dijk has been appalling. So then going forward, you've got Mo Salah, who's not looked himself at all. I know he came off the bench and scored a, a hat-trick in, was it six minutes midweek? But yeah, it is Rangers, so I'm not going to take that with, uh, you know, I'm not going to read too much into that. But coming into this game against Man City, Trent's missing, Matip's missing. You're going to have Joe Gomez at right back. Andy Robertson should be back in the squad and available at left back. Big boost. Diaz is missing. Possibly Liverpool's most consistent performer this season. Yeah. Um, 
they're a way off in terms of their best 11. Clearly struggling for form, confidence and any sort of defensive stability right now. Um, and they're playing a, a Man City team who are absolutely comfortable in their own skin right now. Arguably had the, the easier midweek, able to rest and rotate away at Copenhagen, having pretty much sewn up the top spot in the group. Anyhow, they've got the rest advantage. Haaland, Foden, De Bruyne, Bernardo, Grealish, Mares, Gundogan, you know, just too many players who can hurt this Liverpool team. If, if Rangers can store, score and, and put Liverpool under pressure as they did in that first half hour, then there's no reason Man City can't do similar. We mentioned the, the sort of slow starts. Liverpool conceded first in 10 of the last 12 in the Premier League. City this season have scored first in 8 of 9. We know all about City's game plan and strategy. Once they score the first goal, they tend to strangle the life out of you. And um, The only reason I'm kind of holding back of getting really confident on Man City this weekend is the fact it's taking place at Anfield. Liverpool up against it, written off, underdogs. You do fancy there's going to be some sort of reaction to them, but I just think the way in which Klopp manages his team and the way in which he asks his team to go out and play, which is always pro proactive, it's always front foot, he's very unlikely to ask his team to sit back and defend and be pragmatic. Should, in theory, just play into City's hands even more. And City have tended to perform pretty well against Liverpool in recent years and quite often have scored multiple goals in those games. And that's when Liverpool have been at their complete pomp as well. So... Yeah, I mean, I think the price on City at 1.89 on the exchange to win this match is is absolutely fair enough. Um, I think the way in which Liverpool have been playing, that price has actually drifted uh, overnight since uh, the Rangers game, which is quite surprising, really. Uh, as I said, I don't really read too much into it. Um, only sort of the second half, they ran away with things. But yeah, interested to hear what the guys say. Uh, I think there'll be goals in this game for sure. 13 of the two teams combined 17 Premier League games have featured three or more goals. But I just think the Man City price to win at the moment is good enough to take. The dashing doctor of data, Jake Oscarthorpe from InfoGoal is with us once again. Jake, I think you look at Liverpool's problems, I personally think it was inevitable because they played every game in every competition last season. There was always going to be a mental hangover as well from missing out on the Champions League, missing out on the title right at the end. You add in all the injuries and what it's done is it's reduced the one thing Liverpool have always been able to rely upon, which is intensity, whether that's physical or mental. And as soon as that goes, the press doesn't work, all the gaps open up in defence, and suddenly the whole thing unravels. And that's not, there's no blame attached to that. I think there was an element of inevitability there. And you look at this game, even Liverpool at full strength play a high defensive line, which Erling Haaland will love because he runs in behind. Liverpool, without being full strength and without being anywhere near their usual intensity, he's going to have a field day, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's going to have a field day. Um, uh, he's, he's an absolute handful, isn't he? As you said, you hold the ball up, he can score via the head, he can find little pockets of space in the six-yard box, or he can run in behind with his pace. Um, and I think we'll see all of that this week because I, I can't see anything other than Man City win, personally. I've, I've Like Mark, I think the price is is very fair. I was willing to back it at a shorter price uh, before uh, the drift after the Rangers result, which was just bizarre. I mean, they beat Rangers for crying out loud. It's not like they went to Barcelona or Real Madrid and beat them, is it? It's just Rangers. The same thing happened last week as well. You know, Arsenal were favourites um, before Liverpool played Rangers. Liverpool won and Arsenal drifted to back to a pick which I just found really, really strange. So, moving the market based on a result against Rangers is, is not the thing that I would be you know, hanging my hat on. The um, Rangers get an absolute kicking. Yeah, there, forget Frank Lampard, <laughs> bro. We're on to Rangers. 
Um, yeah, they're, they're a shocking side. But anyway, we'll move on past Rangers. Yeah, I, I can't see anything other than a City City win. Um, Liverpool, as you said, all you, you basically listed all the problems there. The, the press is, is not intense enough. They leave in so many pockets of space. The, the way in which they set up against Arsenal was just conducive to fast breaks and easy ex, um, exits from the pressure for Arsenal. Um, and that's the kind of thing that City will absolutely love and, and relish. Um, this is a City team that really do look in cruise control. As Mark said, they've rotated in midweek. They've had an extra day's rest. Um, and away from home, their process has been fantastic. I know that they've not really been tested. This is probably the, the biggest game of the season so far, um, or the on paper, the toughest game of the season so far. But yeah, the the issues that Liverpool have are too big to, to not look away from. I mean... It reminds me of, you know, the the behind closed doors season where Liverpool had that 10, 12 game period where they just really dropped off and they didn't yeah. look like themselves at all. Um, then they had to almost reinvent themselves again towards the back end of the season to finish top four. This team reminds me of that a little bit right now in the, in the way in which they they just look so off it, the high levels that they've, they've set. Um, and, and if you remember during that run, City went to Anfield and absolutely hammered them 4-1. I wouldn't be surprised to see a similar result this weekend. Um just purely because Liverpool's defence, they're conceding so many good chances. Not not just loads of chances, but high quality chances. I think Brighton went to, to Anfield just after the international break, racked up over two expected goals from just six shots. So they created through, basically six really good chances of, of an XG of more than 0.3. That's a massive problem. And then Arsenal did pretty much exactly the same last week as well. So um it's not the manner of the, the chances they're conceding, it's the quality as well that's a massive issue. And, and you know, you've got a side like City who consistently create high-quality chances and you've got a guy like Erling Haaland who seems to finish them at a higher rate than what many players usually would. Um, that could be a real issue. So yeah, I'm all over the, the City win at 1.88. We were going to have a special guest, uh, the Rangers boss Giovanni Van Bronckhorst was going to join us, but I've just heard uh, that he has cancelled, which which is a shame. Uh, City defender Manuela Kanji has been getting a lot of praise recently for being a genius when it comes to mental arithmetic, but he's got nothing on our mathematical master Mark Stinchcom. Stinch, as we've said, loads of injury problems for Liverpool. The intensity's dropped off. So you can kind of understand why Liverpool are quite big outsiders here, but is that the way you see it? I haven't got a huge opinion on the on the match odds. I mean, generally, when when we talk about Man City, Liverpool, Man City are normally on average about six to five faves. Uh, you know, Liverpool sort of two to one, twenty-one to ten, nine to four. That that bracket. So it's completely understandable that City are now odds on, especially especially at Anfield, given Liverpool's drop off in performances, uh, maybe some ability, uh, but but particularly the injuries uh, to, to key players. So I think I think the, the prices prices are fine. Um, maybe just give a little bit of balance, a uh, bit more of a, a pro-Liverpool angle in a way. They have only lost four of the last 31 matches and all of those were away from home uh, against Madrid, Napoli, Arsenal and Man United. And they are unbeaten in the last 27 home matches and they've scored at least two goals in 17 of the last 21. So maybe it's not going to be a, a walk in the park. Um, however, we know conceding first is an issue and it, and that's the reason that they're, they're not winning games. It's not as if they're losing hundreds of games. They're just not winning as 
many, you know, picking up too many draws, and that's ultimately what's cost cost them not winning the the title in some of these seasons is is the number of draws they've been they've been picking up. But yeah, conceding first is obviously an issue. Conceded first in fourteen of the last twenty, and it was a theme that was happening towards the back end of last season as well. Uh, I remember last week of the season they played Southampton, Villa, and Wolves, and they went one behind in all of those games. In, in against teams that had nothing to play for, um, even Villarreal away in the Champions League second leg, you expect a professional yeah. professional performance, having gone there with a with a two goal lead, and you know they were two 0 down at half time. So it, it feels like it's something that's been coming maybe for for a bit longer than uh, than expected, and and actually you know the ability to take the title race to the, to the last game of the season is almost a you know. Um, a victory in itself, just getting that far. Like I didn't really have any right, probably to. It was to, a miracle. To take it. Yeah, a football miracle. Honestly, that it made so little sense to to rack up that number of wins under that kind of pressure while you're trying to win the Champions League, while you're winning domestic cups as well. It made no sense at all, and and that was always going to have an effect in the long run, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think definitely. I mean, the the domestic cup finals both went to extra time as well, right? So it takes more out of the the players' legs. Um, and yeah, the Champions League means the season goes on even longer. Uh, then we had all the UEFA Nations League at the the end of the season. So players really haven't had much of a break, to be honest. And, and that's I think um, one reason definitely this season. I'm being very cautious back in teams at, at odds on prices. Not that not that to say that oh I'll, you know I wouldn't back City at you know at odds on but I back them at two point zero one it, it's not that kind of um, uh, you know blase but I just I would just be very aware you know backing teams at short prices and putting them in accumulators or whatever because we are we are seeing upsets and that's something that I do think we also see in the World Cup which I'm which I'm quite excited about obviously it's coming up in the uh, next month uh, but yeah you know obviously Man City are a juggernaut aren't they so it's very hard to oppose them so yeah I haven't got a, a real strong bet in the in the outrights but I've got a uh, a, a casually uh, another 22 to one poke, which uh, I think has to has to be put up. Um, it's Joe Gomez to register an assist if he plays right back. Uh, we're all assuming he is playing right back, so this is obviously only on the the basis that he does play right back. I stuck him up for an assist last season when he played right back against Watford. Uh, it was 11 to one, and he duly obliged that day. Since then, he's played right back three more times, and he, he picked up a, another assist. So I can't ignore him at, at the prices. Uh, I mean, 22 to one is huge um, it's not as if uh, Liverpool are going to play any different we know they like to get the full backs high uh, likely to have um, the ball in in Man City's half and, and then it's just maybe one or two passes or very very uh, positive to see the the cross that he put in <clears throat> for uh, for Mino's goal on, on Wednesday night ball. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not your uh, centre-back playing in right-back side-footed pass uh, into the forward just to make sure he gets the ball. You know, it was one of these slide rule in that corridor of uncertainty kind of thing. So, yeah, if he can do something like that, I think that'd be fantastic. And the, and the, the assist he got against Watford last season was a similar sort of cross, just albeit in the air. So, yep, yeah, 22-1, Joe Gomez's assist is, is a big price if Liverpool can find find a few chances on Sunday. That's the kind of thing we love. It's worth bearing in mind, by the way, you can get a £5 free bet by staking a £5 bet builder on Liverpool against Manchester City. T's and C's in the description. 18 plus. See gambleaware.org. We're going to put a little bet builder on this game together between us. Who wants the Haaland bit? Mark, I'll go for you first. Yeah, Haaland bit, please. (laughs) 
So are we going to score, Harland, are we, or score or assist? Um, Stinch special, score or assist. It's four to nine. Okay. Jake, what have you got? Um, City to win. I think we're kind of leaning that way, all three of us. Um, Myself and Mark, obviously, that's a bet. So, yeah, throw them in. City to win, Harland to goal or assist, and Stinch. Oh, he's doing my bit. He's doing my bit now. <laughs> Stinch. Yeah, Jake taking over as host there. Stinch, what have you got for us? Well, I don't think we're going to make people that rich with uh, Haaland score assist and, and Man City to win. So I'll put put something in that's going to boost it up. And I, I did I did have this written down as kind of a standout shout. Unfortunately, no odds are uh, available at the moment. So hopefully... Um, by the by the end of uh, by the end of today or when this goes out there'll be odds available but yeah I like Joe Gomez to pick up a card playing at, at right back um, when he's played right back he's picked up a card in six of his last 17 matches and, and he's picked up one against Rangers uh, he came on against Arsenal last week and picked up one and being up against Phil Foden Phil Foden gave Milner a torrid time uh, at right back last season and I think that's something he can do there here as well and I don't think Gomez is you know completely fully fit so over the course of 90 minutes I do think there might be an occasion where it's easier for him to, to to take a foul so I'm envisaging Gomez being at least maybe four to one so hopefully this might push it up into sort of double figure prices for the bet builder you know when you can see something happen you can visualize something happen when somebody talks about a bet I can see that Joe Gomez foul on Phil Foden now uh, so an intriguing bet builder there exciting stuff it's going to be a great game I think a uh, good start for Graham Potter at Chelsea, we were quite negative about it. I think we were right to be cautious about it because of the boom and bust element of Chelsea. I don't think it's now you can assess what's going on with Potter. It's when it starts to go wrong that we have to see just how staunch the backing will be for the former Brighton boss. But at the moment, it's going well. Takes his blues to Aston Villa on Sunday. Chelsea 1.84 favourites to take the win. Jake, at the moment, it's plain sailing for them. Good win over Milan, although Fikayo Tomori was outrageously sent off, quite frankly, in midweek. Um, where are they at right now? And and Villa, are, for want of a more technical term, Villa are rubbish, aren't they? It's really boring, really dull. Like They've got some really exciting players, but Steven Gerrard, who was, of course, a mega exciting player uh, when he played, has just kind of made this really turgid, boring team. Yeah, they are really boring to watch. Um, I, I think that's they started off the season, Villa, looking a little bit more expansive and, and it led to some really negative results. I think he's just changed tacts back to the back end of last season in terms of just trying to be difficult to beat. Because um, last season when he came in, they actually ranked as the in the top 10 for defensive expected goals process. They've done that this season as well now. Um, They've, I think they've, they've averaged just 1.3 expected goals against per game, which actually ranks fourth best in the league through um, the opening stretches. So defensively, they are looking fairly tight. Going forward, they are an absolute abomination. And that's not going to wash with the American owners going forward, is it? Because they'll look at this and they, we've spent a fortune on this. Yeah, they've got, they've got some unbelievable quality in forward areas, creative players as well that just aren't doing anything um, at all. You, you know, you look at the last three or four games against real relegation candidates and they've really struggled to create anything of note. Um, and that's only got to be seen as a positive for Chelsea, who trended in a really positive direction. Um, I am wanting to get them on side this weekend. Still a little bit cautious, just purely because of the, the schedule has been fairly soft for them. Um, you know, I know AC Milan, Italian champions, but 
you know, the first leg or the first game at Stamford Bridge, they were missing key players. Um, didn't really turn up the second game. Obviously, you, you said that the game is over after the Tamori red card. So can't read too much into those. And, and they played Wolves uh, and Crystal Palace. They weren't great against Crystal Palace and Wolves just aren't great in general. So, you know, the, the, the numbers are, are positive. The confidence is building, but still a little bit wary uh, of potentially the, the schedule being kind to them. Having said that, I think this is a kind game again for for, for Potter's team. And uh, I, I'm happy to back Chelsea to win at 1.84. I think that's a very fair price. I think that over the next couple of weeks, three, four weeks, if this game was played another month's time, I think we'd probably see them a little bit close to 1.6. Um, so I, I think we can take advantage of the fact that Ultimately, I don't see Villa scoring. I don't think they're creating enough chances. And, and Chelsea's deep defence under Graham Potter's looked really solid. Just 0.65 expected goals against um, per game conceded over their opening five matches. Uh, and yeah, it's just a question of can Chelsea score? Um, and, and the underlying numbers at the moment are pointing towards the fact that they are creating more chances. So I think the, 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 the price there is very fair. And if you want a bigger price, I'd, I'd look at Chelsea to win to nil uh, at 2.81 because, as I've said, Villa... Just not creating any chances, um, and against a better de- defensive team, then they're going to have you know their hands full more at the back end rather than the, the front end. So yeah, I think it's a backable price for both. Um, yeah, it, the the other real interesting thing for me about Chelsea is that he's rotated the squad really well over the last two three weeks. Um, yeah, they've had a lot of matches, but he's never picked the same eleven back to back. He's always rotated at least three or four players. Um, obviously shows the strength of the squad. And I think he'll continue to do that because, um, you know, he plays a very fluid system and a fluid formation that that players can, like, you know, like he likes of Raheem Sterling can fill in at right wing back a game if, you know, Reese James is that injured and Cesar Aspilicueta is needed at centre-half. So I think that that kind of thing will will only help them moving forward with the, the congested schedule. I don't know if you've got the prices there, Jake, but Mason Mount, you're absolutely right about rotation, but Mason Mount started almost every game. And I thought it was quite interesting that when Graham Potter was asked about Mason Mount and they said, oh, he's obviously a really important player for you because he's starting almost every game. I thought we were going to get the standard manager answer, which was, oh, well, I don't just want to talk about Mason. All my players are important, blah, blah, blah. But actually he went, yeah, he's brilliant. (laughs) And he said, yeah, he's been great. I've picked him in almost every game. He's getting this really good goal-scoring position, so I don't know what he is to score um, in this game. Yeah, I think that's a great price, actually. I think he's in really good form. He looks really bright. Obviously, wants to do well ahead of the World Cup, even though he's going to play in the World Cup, uh, regardless of what happens. So, Yeah, given... you know, it's, an, it's an interesting shout, because I think if you think back to Potter's Brighton team, how often was it that the goal scorer was a striker, particularly at the start of this season. I mean, back in the last season, um, it might have been. But, you know, you've got Pascal Gross chipping in with goals, McAllister coming in from from those uh, deep, slightly deeper positions. So, yeah, that's an interesting shout. Um, obviously, Aubameyang's in, you know, really good form at the moment in terms of getting on the end of good chances. Five to four, the question would be, will he start or will he get rotated for habits? Um, whereas, as you said, Mount seems to be playing every week. So, yeah, 11 to four does look fairly big. Premier League leaders Arsenal. Yes, you heard me. Premier League leaders Arsenal make the trip to face Leeds United on Sunday. Stinch Arsenal 1.6 favourites here. I'm really fascinated by this because tactically, Jesse Marshall just do what he always does and and create absolute chaos through the centre of the pitch. Really intrigued to see how Arsenal deal with that. Yeah, I think uh, I think goals are on the agenda here. I didn't I didn't really have too strong an opinion about the the match odds. I think if Arsenal were 
as good as everyone makes out, then maybe they'd be shorter here. You look at the fact they kept just three clean sheets in the last 16 games, and that's not really conducive long-term to winning enough matches in order to win a league title, essentially. Are you um, not but... mega convinced by them, then? What's your view on kind of where they're at right now? Um, I think... I mean, the the barometer is Man City, right? And they're they're still a long way off Man City. They are they are where like Chelsea were a couple of seasons ago. Um, Tottenham, but they've made maybe. a jump though, right? From last season when they completely imploded at the end, it feels like Zinchenko coming in, Jesus coming in. Some of the kids have got better. They're kind of maybe they'll make top four. Now it feels like they're probably likely to make top four. Yeah, I mean, I like I like Jesus. He's an upgrade on uh, Lacazette. Uh, Martinelli seems to be uh, maturing, um, which is good. Uh, I'm not convinced, you know, the the centre backs playing at full back, but I think you know that might be where this this clean sheet issue is is coming from. But I also think the league is is a little bit weak. Um, so while Arsenal definitely have improved, I think from from last season, not majorly, but I do think the the, the league has not been fantastic. I mean, you look at you know Leicester and Wolves in in the bottom three, for for example, who who are top half last season. Um, so yeah, I, I think they've improved, but uh, I, st- I still think you know a long way to go to you know challenging for the league title. I know they're top at the moment, but um, it's a tough period coming up trying to manage uh, Europe and 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 uh, and the league. And I think we mentioned on the Saturday show we we think that maybe there's a bit of a drop off in terms of their first eleven to to the rest of the squad. But uh, at least people are happy, right? There's a team giving Man City a, a go at the the league title rather than just a just a procession that uh, the City winning the the league. But in terms of this game, yeah, I just think goals. Like, I don't think there's anything really. Um, I don't I don't see anybody backing unders essentially. I mean the goal line set here at, at three. Um, so I'm looking at over two and a half and both teams score at ten to eleven. It's, it's the same price, but I feel if we see three goals, I think there's a good chance that that uh, neither team has kept a clean sheet, essentially. I mean, I mentioned Arsenal, only three clean sheets in 16. Leeds are just four in 33. Um, so, yeah, I think I think both teams' score is, is a big runner. Uh, in terms of, you know, overs, 24 of Leeds' last 32 have gone have gone overs. Under Jesse Marsh, it's, it's 13 of 20 uh, and 8 of 12 with, with both teams to score. Arsenal, very, very positive for, for overs. Like, for example, if Leeds, you know, remember Leeds under the back end of Bielsa against the big teams, they were literally just falling apart and losing 3, 4, 5, 6 seven at, yeah. at times so I think the beauty here is uh, for in terms of the overs part is the, you know Arsenal could cover it themselves um, 16 of Arsenal's last 19 have been been over two and a half goals but I just what the key thing for me last season we're looking at those gains under Bielsa even though we feel like um, <clears throat> his, his towards the end of his tenure Leeds were, were really struggling they still managed to score in both of them they lost 4-1 and 2-1 so yeah, I just I just I don't see Arsenal winning. I I, I don't see Arsenal um, keeping a clean sheet here, and I just think that that both teams scoring overs is is a good way of of, of um, being a bit creative with the goal line being set at three. You know, if there were exactly three goals, you just get your money back. At least if we see a two-one to either team, we would make a profit. Maybe Arsenal are the English version of Union Berlin. Surprisingly top of the table. It'll be fun while it lasts. Now, just as Arsenal are ruining our fun by being good, Manchester United are starting to do the same. It's annoying. Uh, They face Newcastle on Sunday. The hosts are 2.02 to take the win. 
was looking at an expected points table that had Newcastle third with Manchester United only 10th. So I just wonder if this is a closer matchup than the market thinks. And also, I've completely forgotten whose game this was. So whose game was it? <laughs> it's Jake. That, that would be me. Yeah. Um, Good planning by me as always there. Yeah. You've nailed the script. Um, yeah. Yeah, Newcastle, they've been really good this season, uh, performance-wise, which is obviously why they sit third in the expected points table. Um, Man United, they've been okay. Five wins from six, it's, it's flattered them, really. Uh, they've not really been as dominant in those matches as people might think or as a scoreline might suggest. Uh, defensively, they still look really vulnerable. They're, they've shipped 1.6 expected goals against per game throughout the course of this season. Um, and Newcastle, they've looked like a proper top six contender. Um, and all of that, you know, they've had their own injury issues, haven't they? Like Isak's out. So yeah. Maximan's been out for long long periods. Um they've got a couple of those back now. I think I think some Maximan's back, which is a huge plus. Yeah, well he was back last week towards the end. He came on the bench. Yeah. Yeah. Um so that, that's a huge plus as they as they head to what is a very vulnerable Manchester United defence. Um and they themselves have been fantastic away from home, which is a bit of a surprise. Um usually we see these kind of mid table teams or non-top six teams post a, a negative expected goal difference when playing away from home. Newcastle's actually really positive. Um, they're generating 1.6 uh, and allowing 1.3 expected goals. So they're on, on average about created their opponents when playing away from home. There are a couple of caveats in there playing against 10 men of Fulham, obviously, uh, but it's still really positive um, the way in which they're going about their business in the way they, they're generally taking the game to pretty much every opponent, even Manchester City when they played them. So um, I can see this being a, a very high-scoring game. I've got over 2.75 goals at 1.9 uh, was most my pick. I just thought, yeah, defensively vulnerable. Um, I think the, the pair of them really got question marks at the back. Going forward, they both are really potent attacking um, creative sides. You know, Manchester United now have got a really good balance in that forward area with Anthony uh, on the right-hand side. Um, and Newcastle, I, I think that they'll go to Old Trafford's to, to go and win. I don't think they'll play like they did at Anfield where they basically sat back and tried to counter-attack. I think they'll go and take the game to Man United because I think they're a very vulnerable team. So, um, yeah, I think I think there's a, a really good high chance of seeing a lot of goals at Old Trafford on Sunday. So just to explain to listeners who might not know, when you say over 2.75 goals, is that half of your stake on over two and a half goals, half of your stake on over three, right? Yeah. Right. So, right. I see. So if it was three goals, for example, then you'd get a half win. All good. This football season, you can get a helping hand with Betfair's popular bet builder. Easily add our most popular or fan favourite football selections to your bet slip in just one tap. T's and C's in the description. 18 plus. See gambleaware.org. Now, football, believe it or not, is meant to be fun. It's meant to be entertainment. Stephen Gerrard and Napoli are a lot of fun. Stinch, they stuck another four goals past Ajax in midweek. What's really impressive about them this season, they can hurt teams in so many different ways. We saw Ossiemen score in midweek after he came back from injury. Raspadori scoring. Kvaras Haley is scoring. He's brilliant. He's so much fun to watch. Politano can get you. Lozano can get you. Uh, Zombo Ongisa scoring goals from midfield. They're great. 
Yeah, uh, Zielinski, I think, is somebody yeah. that seems to have evolved. I think he's been a player for a while that's been on the cusp of, of being a, a very good player and a first choice. And uh, you see, just this season just seems to have clicked for him as well. So yeah, yeah. I mean, they've got options all over the all over the park, and then they've got replacements if if things aren't aren't going well. I didn't um, even mention Simeone, by the way. And yeah, I mean, tremendous as well. Yeah, and their ability to obviously replace the the likes of Mertens, Insigne, Fabian Ruiz has just been just been fantastic. In actual fact, they're now sixteen to one to win the Champions League. You know that's shorter that's price wild. than than the likes of uh, Tottenham, Inter, uh, Dortmund, Milan, Leipzig, Atletico. Um, you know, there's only six teams shorter price than 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 them. Um, so if anybody's on them at big prices, good good luck. I mean, it's a long way to go, obviously. Uh, and clearly, it's not it's not uh, it's a team that uh, that the layers want to want to duck, uh, and, and rightly so. Because I mean, I was going to say the best team in Europe, but I imagine they're they're that for me like the be- at the moment the best team in the world in terms of you know entertainment and and uh, and just yeah as you mentioned fun and no surprise really they played bologna on uh, on sunday and they're just 2 to 9 to to beat bologna um but i was looking at napoli to win and both teams to score at 17 to 10 i think that's a, a very nice boost uh, they've won 11 games, Napoli, in, in 13, but eight of them have seen both teams scoring, including the last five. And I think that's down to this this uh, unique season that they're in with the, with the schedule. It's demanding, it's tiring, it's draining. So I think there is always a, a chance that th- these teams are involved in playing games every three days, can maybe switch off or just be vulnerable to more vulnerable than than they than they um, would normally would be in in a normal season. So I think there's every chance Bologna can get on can get on the score sheet score sheet. But ultimately, um, you know, Napoli I would expect to to outscore the opposition. I mean, they've scored 39 goals in their 13 games. You now it's three a game, and they've conceded 11. So they're clearly capable of doing that. Uh, Bologna under the new guys uh, and manager Thiago Motta, he took over a month ago. Um, so we've only got a few games to, to look at so I'm not going to read too much into them but he did an excellent job keeping up Spe- Spezia last season against against all the odds really um, and I quite like the, the players they've got um, in attacking areas you've got um, Arnautovic which some people might scoff at but since he joined Bologna last time he's got 20 Serie A yeah, he's scored loads of goals so yeah. it's not like he's given up or he's just there for the money or he's on holiday or whatever you know he, he is performing uh, you've got Musa Barrow who's an exciting winger who, who was thought of a lot at Atalanta uh, Riccardo Orsolini who uh, kind of lost his way a little bit I think he was somebody in my opinion was I was looking at who would be making the full Italian squad it hasn't quite clicked for him um, I was Really surprised to see they got uh, Josh Rozerski on a permanent deal from Bayern. Yeah. Um, he had a great season for Anderlecht last year, 16 goals. Um, for Bayern, he was, you know, towards the back end of seasons when they had the league wrapped up, he was coming on and scoring goals. So I'm surprised they, they, they let him go. Um, but he's definitely capable of contributing. And then you've got the sort of two older lads in uh, Nicolas Sansone and, and Soriano who had such good seasons that they ended up moving to Villarreal not so long ago. So I think there's so many options there for Bologna to get on the score sheet, but ultimately uh, Napoli to just probably score three or four again and, and comfortably win. And finally, it is El Clasico on Sunday. Real Madrid and Barcelona locked together at the top of the La Liga table. But I was part of UEFA's commentary team for Barcelona 3 into 3. Wow, they looked ragged. 
Barcelona. I mean, it doesn't help that you've got Eric Garcia and Gerard Piquet at the back, but they're in serious danger now of going out of the Champions League in the group stage for the second season running. Mark Real are the 2.3 favourites here. It's in Madrid. Barca did win this fixture handsomely last term. How do we go about approaching this? Because for all the fact that Barcelona are matching Real stride for stride at the moment in the La Liga title race, I don't think Barcelona look anywhere near as cohesive as Real Madrid do. Yeah, I, I tend to agree, um, actually. Um, the price on Real Madrid is... It's quite alluring, really. It's really sort of tempting me in at 2.3 because I do think they are the better team right now. And I think the, the variables are massively in their favour coming into this weekend. What's holding me back is this fixture doesn't tend to have a huge amount of home advantage, curiously. Over the last 18 Clasicos played at either Madrid or, or Barcelona, we've had only four home wins, which is really quite interesting. But, you know, last season, I think, was possibly a bit of a red herring because Barca... Uh, when they hosted Real, uh, were obviously in a bit of a shambles early on in the campaign, recovered after the January editions. But when they went to Madrid, the title was almost already wrapped up, really, and, and Madrid rested Benzema that day as well. So Barca were, were very, very impressive in their win, don't get me wrong. But um, yeah, just uh, I'm just quite happy to sort of look beyond that. But even still, you know, the same sort of thing, themes kind of come to come to, come to the front, really, about the home advantage, not really occurring in this fixture so instead of kind of getting wrapped up and backing either team even if I was going to be quite pro Madrid here I think goals are the way to go here Madrid 10 wins two draws zero defeats across Liga and Champions League so far have the rest advantage although the travel to Poland and back probably wipes that out a little bit but Ancelotti was able to rest and rotate in Warsaw as well Modric, Vinicius, Alaba all came off the bench Benzema is fit Courtois is expected to be fit and the only doubt really is surrounding Rudiger who isn't you know, first choice really for the for most part of, of the Real Madrid defensive shakeup so far. So you compare that to Barcelona though, and you mentioned the defence. Eric Garcia and Piquet are the only natural centre halves available to them this weekend. Marcos Alonso played there last weekend against Celta Vigo and it was Whoa. a disaster. It was, <laughs> it was an utter horror show. Um how Barcelona won that game, I'll never know really. Testagen was Immense. He was Superman between the sticks in the second half. Do you know, it's really interesting you mentioned to Stegen. I was looking at the post-shot XG, which is a very nerdy thing to do. But it's basically, after a shot's hit, it takes into account which area of the goal it's hit towards and kind of they calculate whether a goalkeeper should save it or not. And he has the best post-shot XG differential in the whole league. And people, I think, would look at it and go, well, Barcelona have only let in one goal. They must be very, very solid at the back. No. He's just been really, really good all season so far. Yeah, 100%. And you, you look at the La Liga stati statistics and it says Barca have kept seven clean sheets in eight. Yeah, that statistic alone just tells you the fuller story. They've conceded 20 shots on target. Ter Stegen saved 19 of those. It's just completely unsustainable, really. Um, and, you know, you look at the players missing. Uh, Christensen, Bellerin, Araujo, uh, Kunde looks almost certain to miss out as well. So they haven't really got many other options uh, apart from playing a back four that features Marcos Alonso, Garcia, Piquet and Sergio Roberto, which is uh, quite alarming, really, coming up against a Real Madrid attack, which is, you know, pinpoint with uh, Benzema, Vinicius, Rodrigo, whoever they play, really. The, the, the flip side is Real Madrid have conceded nine of their 12 games across the league and Champions League so far this season as well. So they're not exactly keeping clean sheets consecutively or consistently. So, um, yeah, I'm just quite happy to support goals uh, in that regard because this match is now enormous for Barcelona. It looks increasingly likely that they are going to miss out on Champions League knockout football, which is a, 
a monumental blow for the club. Um, their whole sort of business model was based around progressing in the Champions League and, and going deep in competitions and winning trophies. So um, effectively, they've gambled the future on the club to to compete at that level. And it looks increasingly likely that's not going to happen. So huge focus now for them to go to the Madrid and put on a show. But Real Madrid at the Bernabeu will be proactive, will be front foot. That's just how they have to play in these kind of fixtures. So, um, yeah, two defences you've got little to no faith in, plus attacks with game-changing quality, match-winning ability. You know, I'm just going to reel off some names. Benzema, Lewandowski, Vinicius, Rafinha, Dembele, Rodrigo. Could go on, really. Just too much attacking quality in this match for it not to feature a few goals. The last five have featured at least three. We can get over two and three-quarter goals at 1.8 on the exchange, which I think is a, a really nice way in. You don't have to support either team. Real Madrid are odds-on to score at least twice. Um, I wouldn't back that. I'd just back over two and three-quarters because I cannot see that defence keeping Barca out, regardless of what we've seen. So, yeah, more of the same from midweek, please. Um, fantastic match. Just a shame those kind of do-or-die Jeopardy games are probably going to be extinct in a couple of years when uh, UEFA decide to rip up the Champions League and go down that ridiculous Swiss model. But there we go. Ah, don't we love the prospect of the Swiss model? I do think, by the way, Robert Lewandowski looked razor sharp in midweek, uh, scored a, a couple of very, very important goals for Barcelona. So I think he'll have a say I'll in just, El Clasico uh, at some stage. I'll just chuck another one in, Kev, because um, I saw it earlier and it really does appeal. What price, uh, Stinch gave you a little quiz question, but what, what price would you be keen on backing uh, Vinicius Jr. to score against Barcelona this weekend? Ah. Uh, I'm going to guess what he maybe is, which is probably something ridiculous like two to what is he two to one on there? He's two to one to score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's too big. That's too big. Get involved in that because if you only have to look at the way they defended against Inter. And Vinicius will run riot <laughs> because, uh, as well, the balance of the midfield was wrong. Sergio Busquets looked about 60 years old. It was, it was terrible. He, he was fighting fires all over the place. So, yeah, two to one, I think, is, is attractive. Uh, I think, what's Lewandowski to score at any time? Uh, I think he's evens. I think that's okay same as, as well. Same as Benzema. So, when you compare those prices with uh, Vinny Jr., two to one, big price. Uh, le- Lewandowski's been absolutely brilliant for Barcelona so far. So I think that's probably not a bad bet. That's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. The World Cup is just a few weeks away, folks. We're going to have you covered here with regular preview shows, starting with a special that includes some very exciting guests, including Mark O'Hare, by the way. Uh, From Mark, from Stinch, from Jake and from me, it's goodbye for now. 